Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello. Uh, how you doing? <laughs> so, no, I'm not going to talk about the Macron-Trump. Uh, touchy-feely, kissy thing that was going on all day yesterday. Oh, my God. And the, and the, the primitive, the primitive uh, alpha male jockeying going on uh, is, is, guys, <laughs> really, I'm starting to really want women in positions. Of, women have their own issues, no doubt, but I just can't take this, uh, this, it's like gorillas. It's no different than gorillas. Uh, You know, an alpha gorilla uh, will groom, pick dandruff off of another gorilla to show dominance, not because they're concerned that, you know, oh my gosh, you have something there on your fur. No, it's to show dominance. And Trump is simply operating on a reptilian brain um, level. I can't. I, I just, I can't believe it. I still can't believe this idiot, this unformed, this unmatured, this messed up being is uh, in the position of power that he is. It's just mind-boggling. Let's let's sort of. Um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit today. Uh, talk initially about some of the things we've talked about uh, earlier in the week. I had brought up the uh, candidacy of the repulsive Don Blankenship, about as shameless a human being as as there is. Um, yeah, like who's worse? Don Blankenship or Donald Trump in terms of just as an as a representative of humanity of of our species which oh god but so Don Blankenship the uh the guy who's responsible for 29 uh miners uh dying in one of his uh mines who was convicted uh spent a year in jail, is out of jail and running uh, in the Republican primary uh, for the opportunity to unseat uh, Democratic Senator uh, Manchin. And he was being interviewed on West Virginia radio uh, Monday. And he was talking about another repulsive human being. (laughs) Why are all of these people Republicans? Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And McConnell has been actively uh, trying to keep Blankenship from winning that primary because 
the usually shameless uh, Republicans on Capitol Hill actually do have some sense of shame in that they don't want to be saddled with this ex-con uh, killer uh, coming in a as a senator uh, on their side of the aisle. So McConnell has been uh, through a super PAC uh, that he is linked to him, has been uh, putting up a lot of ads, anti-Blankenship ads, and in one, he accuses Blankenship of poisoning the local drinking water. <laughs> God in heaven. I don't know if Blankenship poisoned the local drinking water, but you know what? I'm probably going with McConnell on this one. Odds are, yeah. Um, and so Blankenship on this radio show on Monday night was taken off after McConnell and said this. He pointed out that McConnell is married to a a Chinese woman who is also in the Trump cabinet, Elaine Chow. And Blankenship said, I have an issue when McConnell's father-in-law is a wealthy China person. These are our politics at a very high level. You poison the drinking water. Your father-in-law is a China person. All right. And by the way, this, this, I got two other little Blankenship tidbits. Turns out Blankenship's fiance, oh God, Farah Hobbs, was born in China. I guess he she's going to be a wealthy China person too. I I guess if she uh marries uh this jerk. She's also a former Chinese professional basketball player. Oh god almighty. Anyway, um you'll be happy to know that or not uh that two recent polls uh in West Virginia have shown Blankenship uh in third place behind two other Probably uh, almost as repulsive uh, Republican would-be senators. So that's the update on, uh, on Blankenship. Also, oh, Ray. Ray has an addendum to his, um, his diatribe against the uh, murderous British royal family uh, of yesterday. And here it is. I, I will... Read it to you, sight unseen. Lynn, I need to follow up yesterday's screed on the royal family. I am afraid you sort of mischaracterize my attitude toward the English. I have many friends and acquaintances from England. If my letter gave offense to any English or Anglo-Americans, I apologize. My utter and complete contempt is aimed at the vestiges of the English Empire and all the inherited sin that befouls it. The inbred German transplants that are the house of Windsor parade around as if they represent a loving, beneficent force for good 
rather than the leftover genocidal dictators that they are. Well, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Um, and also, uh, yesterday's show, uh, talking about saying things like cotton picking, you're out of your cotton picking mind as be, being racist, which I had never realized. And uh, we get a letter from Denise that suggests it maybe isn't. Um, and whoever is saying that is maybe just assuming that since uh, slaves in America picked a lot of the cotton here. Um, she says this, years ago I knew a white woman from Georgia who spent her youth picking cotton. It was common for kids where she lived to harvest cotton as a part-time or summer job. I only mention it because I hadn't heard if you said this. And she once had told me that the term out of your cotton pick and mine referred to being crazed by back-breaking hours in the sun. We weren't talking about race. She understood, the cotton pick and white woman, that the phrase meant that it's such a hard thing to do in the sun, uh, cotton picking, that uh, you go out of your cotton picking mind. Okay, I don't know. I don't know the derivation, but I, I think Denise, who wrote me this, wanted to say that, you know, things taken out of context, uh, you know, where mis meaning is mistaken and everybody's so hypersensitive to everything. And I agree with that. And she, and she followed up with another, um, uh, another email saying, by the way, I, in college, uh, I called once, I called a section of the city Jewtown. My family had used that term. And at least my immediate family was never in, intentionally bigoted. The professor who heard her say Jewtown was Jewish, um, was clearly offended and asked me why I would say such a thing. I had no idea it was wrong. I said, everyone I know uses that term. It was what had once been the local garment district where a lot of Jewish people owned shops. He accepted my answer but said it was wrong. And I asked him, well, how's that different from Chinatown? And he didn't have an answer because there is no difference. So is Chinatown? Uh, wow. Um, who told me the other day, someone here told me that they had referred to some part, and I don't know if it was in Pittsburgh or um, the, a, a part of the city, some city, as Jewtown. I don't think that's unusual when, um, I mean, what's the difference between Jewtown and Polish Hill? I mean, it, it, identifying a neighborhood as a place where a certain ethnic group uh, lives. I think some people take offense with Jewtown because some people think the very word Jew is derogatory, 
which I've talked about before, which is why so often people will say things like, to get away from Jew, which they just assume is a bad word, they will say Jewish, right? So they will say, or I've had people say, well, you're of the, and they don't even want to say Jewish, you're of the, uh, the Hebrew faith, right? So that's, I think, just a, a built-in thing where people are walking, tiptoeing around a word that they think of as something no one would want to be known as because it's a negative, a Jew, right? So I personally, why I've never heard of um, calling an area Jew town, I don't think it's unusual. And I would ask any Jew who's offended, do you say Chinatown? What's the difference? There's none. Uh, so she, Denise was just further, yeah, muddying the waters of, you know, at what point? Are you not supposed to say this? Are you not supposed to say that? Is that I I'm getting increasingly sick of it, although I will as somebody who just by my nature does not want to give offense, I will try to not say things that most people would suggest are <sighs> offensive. I don't know. I'm getting a headache. Okay. And then again, just responding to, a, again, something else I talked about yesterday that the Toronto police officer who exhibited such amazing restraint in um, in apprehending the uh, the killer of uh, what is it ten people and uh, maybe more um, in Toronto. Uh, I had mentioned that geez, I wish you know some uh, American cops would show a little ability to to comport themselves in such a manner first of all i want to say is, is the guy's name is ken lamb and uh it wasn't just me who was blown away uh people who train police were blown away by his cool um the former police uh, chief of new orleans said wow this video is going to be a training video uh, it almost gives you chills how well he handled himself. And he does a just second-by-second second breakdown of how this guy, whose adrenaline must have been pumping, facing a guy who we know has mowed down, killed a whole bunch of innocent pedestrians, um, one of the first things he did when he, he pulled his squad car up and the siren was blaring and he'd gotten out of the car and he the, uh, the, the, the perp was out of his van, the death machine, and the first thing the Toronto cop did was lean, not, not in any way confront the guy. He leans into his squad car and turned off 
the siren. And right away, doing that helped bring the temperature down. He removed that blaring sound, which only serves to heighten anxiety, right? He removed the sound also by leaning into the car. He's indicating to the guy that the cop is not freaked. He's not in a rush. Leans in, turns it off. Slowing things down. De-escalation. This is what American cops, so many of them, don't seem to do, especially when confronted by, oh, horrors, a black man. Don't have a clue how to de-escalate. And this officer says, get down, he says to the, he's got his gun out. He's saying, get down, he says to the guy who's pointing what looks like a gun on the video at the cop. Get down, he says to the guy. And the guy says, kill me. And the cop says, no, get down. Then the suspect says, I've got a gun. And the cop says, I don't care. Get down. If this were happening in the United States of America, that guy'd be dead by now, right? Cop still saying, I don't care, get down, goes back and forth. Cop finally says, get down or you'll be shot. And the guy, not the cop, but the perp, makes, uh, starts moving toward the cop with still that threatening object in his hand, which by now the cop has decided is not a gun. At that point, with the guy coming at him a bit, what does the cop do? He doesn't shoot him. He actually takes out his billy club, thus saying, I'm not really, I ain't going to shoot you, and I ain't afraid of you. I'm just, I got this club here. Replacing his club, his, his gun with a baton. Again, de-escalating the threat to the perp. And then with just that club in his hand, he starts walking toward the guy, continuing to tell him, get down. And by the time Officer Lamb is at the perp, <laughs> the perp has dropped whatever it was he was carrying, has raised his hands, has turned around and laid down submissive, subdued, not a shot fired. Here's a suspect who said, kill me, and the officer put away his gun. Do you remember um, I think it was in West Virginia there was a cop there, small town cop, 
I'm thinking. And he also encountered a situation like this where he there was a guy who was screaming at him, shoot me, wanting to die, suicide by cop. And this, and I think the guy was armed, this guy did not, the cop did not shoot him. He acted with restraint. And the reason I know about this story is that the police department fired him. He was fired for not killing this guy. Now, I haven't heard the rest of that story. I'm, I'm remembering this from maybe a year ago. I don't know whether or not he got his job back, whether or not he sued. But see, in this country, it's amazing, a cop gets fired for exercising the very restraint that is proven to work and also save a life. Unbelievable. Uh, Henry writes, in addition to convicted criminal Blankenship, there are three more convicted criminals running for Republican seats in Congress. Joe Arpaio, the... Oh, but his record is squeaky clean now, isn't it? He's been pardoned by the president. Um, Michael Grimm, running for Republican, uh, Republican running in New York. He's a former FBI agent who pled guilty to felony tax evasion in 2014. I think served time, too. Um, and Greg Gianforte who pled guilty, oh, he's the guy we saw uh, body slamming a reporter last year. He pleaded guilty to assault. The only Democrat with a record who is running for office is David Alcorn, who's convicted of stalking. He is one of nine candidates for the Democratic nomination in a congressional district in New Mexico. Methinks he's not going to get it. Uh, by the way, in some states, Henry says, convicted felons cannot run for office. <laughs> that sort of seems like a good idea to me. I'm, I, I don't believe that felons should be, convicted felons who've served their time should be prevented from voting, which happens in many states. I do think a convicted felon should not be allowed to run for office because, for legislative office, because what do legislators do? They make laws. And if their history suggests that they flout laws, I don't see that they should be making laws for other people to follow. I don't know. I might be talked out of that, but uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Jeez, uh, I got so much stuff here, I don't know where to start. Okay, this... Mind-blowing... This on the um, It's a Man's World front. Uh, in China, there is, a pro, there is a position called Programmer Motivator. 
There is no such position in the United States or probably in Europe. But in China, there is. I mean, you can, you can aspire to be a programmer motivator. And uh, let me go to the person from Human Services, Human Resources, who um, hires programmer motivators. And she said, applicants, first of all, need to be female. They need to have, this is a quote, five facial features that must definitely be in their proper order. What the hell does that mean? Their mouth should not be above their eyes? What does that mean? Their nose should not be next to their left ear? What does that mean? Applicants need to have five facial features that must definitely be in their proper order. And they need to speak in a gentle way. They must also be over five feet, two inches tall, and have a contagious laugh. The job, again, is a job for a programmer motivator. You will not believe what this job entails. And, again, only women need apply, unlike this country, which uh, outlawed gender-specific want ads not all that long ago, guys. I think in the 70s or 80s, right? That was a case that came out of Pittsburgh, made its way to the Supreme Court. It was a case brought against, I believe, the Pittsburgh Press and, uh, and, their, and their help wanted section. Uh, a program motivator is a woman <coughs> with all her facial features in the right place, a contagious laugh, and uh, a gentle voice who, whose job is, let me find exactly what they say, to talk to and make programmers relaxed. So, this is a, in Chinese, a company, a Chinese company, all the programmers are male. And it is assumed that male programmers are socially awkward nerds who never get anywhere near a woman. So, the company hires women to see to the programmer's needs, giving him back rubs while he's doing his job, making him laugh with her contagious laugh in her, in her gentle voice. God almighty. Anyway, just want to say that the woman who has the job that has this job who they show putting on makeup, getting ready for um, her job of making the men who do the real work there feel calm and, and able, more able to do their job. 
This woman who was hired to do that has a degree in civil engineering. Unbelievable. It is not unusual to see uh, ads uh, in China that literally say things like, there are beautiful girls in the company when they're trying to hire, you know, guys. It's not unusual to say, of course, uh, males preferred or only males need apply or only good women, good-looking women need apply. Now, program, programmer motivator is a job that just quite clearly is meant to put women in a subservient position to see to the male programmer's needs. Wow. Meanwhile, back in the U.S. of A., New York Times, business section, front page today. On one side, they have pictures of women. The pictures are of women who head Fortune 500 companies. Uh, there are, and this is, I mean, bigger than it's been. There are 15, uh, there are 1, 2, 3, 6, 18, 25. There's about 24. Okay, 24. There's the women who had Fortune 500 companies. Here are men who had Fortune 500 companies. What? They're the same amount? No, 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 no. These are men who had Fortune 500 companies whose name is John. Actually, it, they would have done the men whose name, who are named James, but they wouldn't fit in the same. They wanted to show an equal number. And here's all the women who had Fortune 500 companies next to just the men named John who had Fortune 500 companies. You will also notice not a black person in the group. So, The number of Republican senators who are women, that number is fewer than the number of Republican senators named John. Even though women represent over 50% of the population, Men named John represent 3% of the population.
any doubt that there that this is a man's world, that this is a white man's world. If anybody thinks that anything is any different, I mean, this is a difference, the women. You wonder why women are angry or a little touchy on the subject? Huh? The old thing that there aren't enough women in the pipeline, that's bullshit now, okay? That's not true anymore. Oh, God! Okay, so... Back to uh, the loathsome Trump administration. Um, it, you know, so much is not being covered these days because we're just overwhelmed by the force of this baboon's personality, his mist his unfortunate uh, locutions and uh, behavior. Well, we've a, we have a call. Let me get the caller in here. Uh, caller, hello. Hi. Uh, hello. Hello. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Uh, this is John from John from Greensboro, one of the elite three <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Uh, yeah. John. <laughs> the three percenters of the population. Um, you threw out a lot of a lot of topics uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to touch on one and how it plays into a, a bit of a broader picture which is you uh, spoke about uh, a number of Republicans running for election or re-election mm -hmm. who committed felonies or uh, are being investigated for various felonies and are still viable candidates. I noticed you, uh, you forgot to mention the governor of Missouri. Oh, uh, if you, yeah. If you recall, yeah, Eric Gretens, yeah. I believe his name is pronounced who is actually under two felony indictments currently. <laughs> one, uh, one related to uh, malfeasance, uh, uh, essentially um, appropriating, uh, using what should have been confidential information from right. one of his, his businesses to uh, for his campaign purpose. And uh, another, actually, I think he's under three felony indictments now because two of the others involve, uh, you know, invasion of privacy, stalking, uh, physical think, abuse, uh, blackmail, ex-wife, and yeah. also his mistress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a few um, see, this touches on an article I read two days ago in the Washington Washington Monthly, uh, where political scientists have discussed how democratic societies uh, slide into an autocracy, and they talk about the hallmarks involving, you know, um, a political faction, and, and the United States really only have two that have any national influence or really any state influence for the most part, mm -hmm. um, that begins to exhibit, you know, one or more of, of three following characteristics. You know, first, they are willing to tolerate or even embrace uh, 
leaders who are um, contemptuous uh, of democratic processes, who are corrupt, yeah. okay, uh, who we are can, incompetent, rather, we, we, rather than cede power. Okay, we can check that one off. Yeah. Um, they are, or another characteristic is that the party itself, um, rather than cede power or, or lose office holders, will attempt to uh, cheat, cheat, you know, uh, cheat the okay. like voting vo- system. Voter I mean, ID will, laws, yeah, all that kind of stuff, gerrymandering. Okay, yeah, right. check are, that are one. They just are disdainful of norms, such as, you know, denying the, the previous president the, the opportunity to, to uh, place a, a Supreme Court nominee right. uh, for hearings. Right. Um, and then they attempted utterly delegitimate uh, ties, not just... Not just um, not just oppose, but they don't recognize uh, the legitimacy of any other political party to hold office. So they're willing to embrace smear tactics, um, regardless of logic, facts. Uh, they'll um, they'll actually encourage fringe theories and and you know kooky ideas. Yeah. Okay. To, Cross uh, it off. Correct. Oh, yeah. So we have all three of those yeah. in place. Yeah. With yeah. the modern Republican Party. Yeah, we do. And, and of course, they, th- those those three aren't independent of one another. They no. feed off each other. Correct. Um, because if you delegitimize a party and you convince yourself that all sort of, you know, horrific or even unholy, you know, consequences are going to result from that party, uh, we, you know, having a normal normal place in American politics, then that certainly justifies. The other two. Then, of course, it simply makes sense. We'll go ahead and, you know, game the system, gerrymander, right? right. Um, right. Come up with, try to purge the voting rolls, right? Right. Right. Uh, you know, uh, short circuit, uh, you know, norms in in the Senate and well, in the House of Representatives. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I don't have any doubt in my mind that the Republican Party right now, as constituted, is totally uh, corrupted. And uh, and is a danger to the country. I will say well, that man. with no doubt whatsoever in my mind, it is a danger to the country. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I think some you you maybe been a little uh, surprised at some like my hardening attitude, some of the rhetoric I've I've employed of late, and you know, I'm I'm going to hold to it because. You know, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna abide by the golden rule that you know. Hey, I'm gonna assume good intentions, and when I first encounter someone, even of a different persuasion, I'll want to treat the person as if they're willing to yeah. you know, engage with civility and honesty. But you're not you're not willing to do that anymore with the Republicans. I'm not willing. To well, I think I think if you are it doing it and doing yeah, it, the right. other person won't. Right, you're played for a fool, and you you don't want to do it anymore. Correct. I, I I hear you, and I'm I'm frankly uh, in agreement. Hey, thanks for the call, John. One of the Thank three. You. One of the three Bye-bye. percent. Goodbye. Um, speaking of the re- re- absolute corruption of the Republicans. Let me quote a Republican. Uh, A Republican strategist who uh, was, uh, I first came to know him when he was uh, with uh, John McCain's presidential campaign, Steve Schmidt. And Steve Schmidt said this about 
the White House right now. From a personnel perspective, we have never quite seen the assemblage of crooks, just outright weirdos, wife beaters, drunk drivers, complete and total incompetence that have been assembled here. That's a Republican. And you can't you can't argue. It's unbelievable. It's why I, I it's hard to believe it's happening. It's hard to even look sometimes. Let me, uh, but but some of them are busily doing what uh, they are supposed to do, which is uh, destroy the agencies that they have put in been put in charge of, and um, destroy protections that have been put in place by many previous administrations to protect us, to protect the water, to protect the air, to protect workers, <coughs> you name it to protect our food supply, all of that, they are throwing things out left and right. You know, it doesn't get as much. I, here's something that, again, I've been wanting to share with you and haven't, but um, new rules, as Bill Maher says, uh, new rules are now in place for funding programs that deal with teenage pregnancy. And let's just say that teenage pregnancy has been on the decline because of the kinds of programs that have been funded under the Obama administration. And now, unfortunately, in the Department of Health and Human Services, that part of the department uh, which is the adolescent health, is headed by a woman with a long record. Her name is Valerie Huber. And Valerie Huber is and has been the leader of an abstinence-only education advocacy organization. She, that's what she has been, that's the long history, and she is now the chief of staff to the Department of Health and Human Services uh, Adolescent Health official. She says that the approach to teen pregnancy that the Obama administration took normalized teen sex. <laughs> yeah, you know, excuse me, teens, normalized teen sex, recognized teen sex. And so consequently, put money into programs that helped teenagers make wise decisions, ideally maybe not to engage in sex, but if they were, how not to get pregnant, how not to get STDs. This is the kind of thing that 
has been funded in the past and has clearly had an impact. There was a study done 10 years ago on abstinence only. This was a federally funded study on abstinence only programs and whether or not they were effective in preventing teens from engaging in sex and or getting pregnant and guess what that showed it had not even a hint of an effect on sexual activity among teens abstinence only and so now your tax dollars are going to organizations like Valerie Huber's who tell teens just say no first of all it tends to put almost all of the responsibility on girls not boys and it will without a doubt result in more teenage pregnancies unwanted pregnancies just so you know that's one of the things these guys are up to and uh, when we talk about what the Trump administration is doing my god my god the interior secretary Ryan Zinke has as we know opened up our offshore uh, oceans to oil companies do you know they used to be open to oil companies and then a terrible thing happened in 1969 <laughs> an oil rig off of Santa Barbara exploded and three million gallons of crude oil went into the Pacific Ocean it was one of the worst environmental disasters in American history until until the blowout of the Deepwater Horizon which happened 40 years later there were in 69 no federal measures in place to regulate offshore drilling after that spill and in 1978 the first federal regulations were passed but obviously we still end up with the Deepwater Horizon and now you've got the Trump administration and Zinke saying to the gas companies the oil companies go for it guys it's all yours again I just want to point out also Scott Pruitt the EPA administrator has removed Clean Water Act decision-making authority from regional offices so that the EPA's regional office here knows the rivers here and can make decisions about what might need to be done he has removed all that authority from all regional offices throughout the country 
and given that authority to himself. The sole arbiter. And we know where he's coming from. So, when did we wake up to what was going on with our water? Well, the the big waker-upper was the, you know, the Cuyahoga <laughs> River uh, catching fire uh, in, in Cleveland in 1969 as well. And it turns out, by the way, that the Cuyahoga had caught fire a number of times before. Uh, it had caught fire... 17 years earlier in 1952. Uh, history shows us that the Cuyahoga was on fire 13 times. But it wasn't until it was on fire in 1969 when there's a beginning of, you know, an environmental awareness that Americans looked and said, that's outrageous. It had happened 13 other times and nobody said, well, nobody did anything. So this resulted pretty much in the passage of the Clean Water Act in 1972. And the EPA was put in charge of our water. And since 1972, we have made progress. Waterways across the country are markedly cleaner, But Pruitt is up to lifting the very rules. He has suspended a lot of rules, allowing polluters to have at our streams, our wetlands. And as I said, he's the sole arbiter. 69 and 70. These were, this was a time when America was finally waking up. There was an obit today that I'm not going to share with you, but it was the lawyer who uh, sued uh, on behalf of the state of New York, uh, sued the Hooker Chemical Company, who had polluted Love Canal in Niagara Falls, New York. That company had just flat out dumped toxic waste into the canal, didn't tell anybody, buried it, uh, homes were built atop it when they, after they'd left, uh, playgrounds, parks. And that's what resulted in the uh, creation of the Superfund, which was a, the Superfund was funded by polluters. So industry had to put all this money in to create what was really called the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act. That was in 1980. And it was chemical companies, petroleum companies, that were taxed to create that fund to clean up the messes that they make. I just want you to know that that trust fund has pretty much disappeared and now 
They aren't being taxed to fund it. You are. Taxpayers are. And in Scott Pruitt's EPA budget for this year, huge staff cuts had been made. Uh, and a ton of the people nominated for key positions in the EPA are coming right out of the polluting industries. As a matter of fact, a story today in the New York Times about Pruitt who says his his political the guy who's brought him up to where he is is Senator uh Senator James Inhofe the climate denying Oklahoma senator uh Pruitt is his protege and Inhofe it turns out is now saying that he's disturbed by Pruitt's not by what he's doing at EPA but by the ethical lapses that we're finding out about so Inhofe is actually looking like he's having doubts about Pruitt. If Inhofe is having doubts about Pruitt, then that means Pruitt's in trouble, thank God. But Inhofe, the climate denier, the regulation hater, is not worried about Pruitt maybe being forced out. You know why? Because he says, no problem, because Pruitt just put in as his deputy, a guy who could step right in to the job, Andrew Wheeler. And Mr. Wheeler spent most of his adult life as a lobbyist for coal companies, the biggest polluters of our water, of our air. And so Inhofe's saying, well, even if we get rid of Pruitt, we'll still have Wheeler, who knows how to pollute things every bit as much as uh, Scott Pruitt. The Endangered Species Act, too, is being endangered by these guys, and that, again, under uh, Zinke. And I have to tell you, all of those acts came about during the tenure of President Richard Nixon. Just to show you, to remind you of how far the Republican Party has fallen. Uh, Dorothea writes, Steve Schmidt's comment regarding the assemblage of crooks, outright weirdos, white beaters, drunk drivers, complete and total incompetence is more than true. But we have ourselves to blame. We have an electorate that votes with their hearts and not with their heads. We are easily influenced by election ads on television and we are eager to repeat the words we are given in those ads. I would like to know who will be the heroes here. The judicial system, perhaps. You're seeing some federal uh, judges uh, stopping some of this stuff. Um, but even as we speak, Trump is packing the federal judiciary. <laughs> so the judiciary, we have to hope, that's uh, of the three 
co-equal branches of our government, that's the only one that is pushing back at all. Sometimes enabling, but sometimes pushing back. And the legislative branch, the Congress, is totally, as we know, in the thrall of the corrupt, enabling uh, Republican Party. And so, no, our country right now is in grave, grave danger. People keep saying the system's working. It ain't really. It's working a bit. But in order for it to really work, you have a Congress that sees itself as a pusher backer of the executive branch. And we don't have that at all anymore. I don't know. The heroes here have got to be voters, right? And Dorothea says the voters got us into this and the voters have to get us out. Yes. Uh, there was a special election in, uh, what was it, Arizona yesterday. Uh, congressional seat, there had to be a special election. Same reason there was a special election here uh, when Murphy was uh, forced to step down, a good Republican uh hypocrite for telling his mistress to get a an abortion when he was all for denying that right to abortion to anybody else um and in the Arizona district it was that jerk who was forced to resign the republican who was trying to who was asking his staffers female staffers to be a surrogate cuz he and his wife wanted a baby remember that one so he's gone, and there was a special election to fill that seat. It's an extremely, totally Republican district. There was some hope that a Democrat could take it, as Connor Lamb did here. It didn't happen, but the Republican won by just five points in a district that Trump had carried over 20 points. So it shows, again, the incredible, incredible erosion of voter support right now for Republican candidates and a surge in support in Republican districts for Democrats. Just saying. Didn't take this one. Wasn't expected to take this one. But the the clear indicators keep pointing in the right direction. Uh, Brooklyn Brook writes, uh, I believe, oh, back to the Chinese uh, ad, I believe facial features in proper order is probably a translation issue. Ah, that's it. And what they probably mean is that facial proportions must meet some kind of beauty standard, yeah. They were saying that person should be beautiful. You're right. It's, you're right. Thank you. And if you think we don't have programmer motivators in the United States, we sure as heck do. We may not call them that, but no doubt this goes on at various levels in many companies. Well, I think female secretaries often uh, provide uh, that same oh, God Almighty. And Beth writes, as a West Virginia resident, we've heard from our more conservative friends absolute disgust that Blankenship would even consider running. We also had the question, how does a felon run for the U.S. Senate? Well, you become a felon after you are elected. 
we are no Joe Manchin fans and most disgusted how his daughter, the CEO of Mylan, one of the state's largest employers, uh, has let go a very large percentage of their employees. Those jobs are good jobs, but since December of 2016, when the company offered a buyout to some employees, a large number of company employees have lost their jobs. Oh, the employees were let go with no warning. This past week, we learned of 500 union jobs are now gone, and another 100 uh, company employees have lost their jobs Monday. It has been noticed by those long-term employees who have lost their jobs and still are losing their jobs that only a few of the Indian employees were let go. Not Native American, you mean from India. Indian employees were let go or those here on the HB1 visa. Considering the political climate we are in and knowing many of these people are not racists, I worry these actions will create a further divide in our community. We keep hearing more jobs are going to be cut and we're bracing for the community impact of this employment loss. Considering the Morgantown area will be feeling the impact loss around election time, Joe's daughter is not doing her father any favors in his run for re-election. Okay, and just one more and then we'll call it a day here. Uh, Mary says, Lynn, we may never know what all the Trump administration is destroying. New tariffs placed on Canadian paper used for our daily papers will quite possibly kill off many struggling papers. Yeah, you know what? It's true. It, it, papers are struggling as it is. All they need is for the price of paper, newsprint, to go up, and it has been going up, to go up any higher, and they'll just have to, yeah, it'll, more papers will shut down. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the happy news for April 25th. Uh, let's hope for something a little better, please, to talk about tomorrow. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.